Source Knowledge is a leading performance-based advertising platform. We are based in Montreal, but we also have offices in California, Vancouver, and Toronto. So I started um, my career at a search engine based in Montreal. It was a meta search engine, one of the very first search engines on the internet. It started before Google. And then from there, I left and I started my own consulting firm that I that I managed for two years and where I did search engine optimization and search engine marketing. And then I decided to start Source Knowledge with uh, four other people. And, and then that brings us to today, eight years on. Uh, 30 employees and uh, we have a thriving business in um, programmatic advertising. My name is Deborah Kilpatrick. I'm the VP Marketing and Co-Founder of Source Knowledge. Celebrating the lives, work and achievements of women around the world. The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's Editor, Doug Zanger. All right, let's start with three questions. Uh, what's something that you've learned recently, either personally or professionally, that has surprised you, and why is that? Just recently, we had a presentation for one of our employees who is a PhD uh, candidate on machine learning, and he presented to our staff here at Source Knowledge during one of our regular lunch and learns about how he is applying machine learning, which is also known as AI, to our uh, bidder. Uh, and our bidder works uh, sort of in a programmatic way to make decisions on whether we bid or not on an ad, for those people who do not know. And so he's looking to apply machine learning in order to further automate the bidder and to have it make predictions on outcomes. So as I'm listening to him speak about neural networks and how machine learning works in terms of active learning and passive learning and all these sort of really interesting things, I was really taken aback about just really how neat it was that our company that we started eight years ago can propel someone in their career path and provide them with the tools that they need to grow their professional selves. And so oftentimes, you know, you, whether, you know, you're looking to always, you know, make sure that your clients are satisfied and your everyday decisions in a company are often based on, on that end goal, uh, sometimes we lose focus on just how to develop our staff and, and how important it is to challenge them to grow and to learn professionally and then also how that really can help the company grow as well you know and which at the end helps the client but it was just sort of an astounding moment for me to such a such a hot topic right now and and to see it sort of applied in real life and uh, to see the enthusiasm coming from this phd candidate and then our staff as well you know it was just really an awesome experience what do you not fear that's sort of a weird way of phrasing it, but what, what do you not fear? What do I not fear? Well, there, there are things that I fear, but one of the things I don't fear, I think it comes with age, actually, is making mistakes. So I, I find that, in fact, uh, when you, em, you embrace making the potential of making mistakes, you are able to make better and faster decisions. And so I find that's also the best way to learn. So when you make a mistake, you're able to recover quicker, and it's a better way to actually 
actually move forward. And I think when people let that go, they can excel faster in whatever they're doing, you know, whether it's, you know, work applied or in your in your personal life. Um, I personally think perfectionism is overrated and um, is exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that, that comes from experience also, you know. So I was that type of student in school where I was just like, I needed to get, you know, 90s and, and over. And that just, uh, that can happen but are you really actually learning what they want you to be learning, you know, and you can apply that to, to work today. We make mistakes all the time in, in our company and, and as does other companies. So it's just how you come together as a team to, to solve problems and uh, you end up executing on your goals faster when you make mistakes. And I see it, I see it every day and I think it's great, actually. It's great to, I mean, it's obviously, it's great to have ambition, but uh, sometimes you forget that there's a lot of stuff happening around you that uh, can make you better. And it's not necessarily what people think. Uh, yeah, that's it. Exactly. And it helps you when you when you sort of embrace making mistakes and you embrace sort of the stumbles, um, that's really what life is all about, professionally and personally. And so those are those are things that we need to embrace and and uh, not fear. Yep, exactly. What are you inspired by most, and why is that? I have to say that the thing that at this moment it can change, but the thing that I am inspired by the most, generally people who are enthusiastic. And I find it exceptionally refreshing when someone takes a position on something um, and defends it and defends it with rigor. And even if I don't agree with that person, I find it very refreshing when somebody stands up for something that they believe in. You know, it can even be a book or a piece of music or politics. You know, I, I, I think that this is in fact something that is that is going away. And I, I'm seeing less enthusiasm around me and so I, I feel like people are reticent to have strong opinions especially in public forums and so when I encounter it in my day I'm really inspired by it and I also think it's contagious so I, I like to uh, think that I am an enthusiastic person and I can make other people enthusiastic about what inspires me. Uh, let's go to the must list. What is a must-do? Okay, so, you know, this is a really open-ended question, so I feel like there are, <laughs> there are many must-dos, and especially if you are a parent to children, there are many must-dos in your day. But however, sort of in sort of a philosophical approach to it, there are certain things that you have to do in order to get to the thing that you really must do. So sort of tongue-in-cheek, uh, you need to sleep. Uh, you need you to think? eat. think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't it's get like... much, I don't get much of these either of these things these days. I feel like I'm eating on the go, and I definitely don't get my requisite seven hours in a day. And then relaxing, I think, is super important, and I have a hard time getting that into my day as well. But those are all must dos, and I'm I'm I am failing um, on the, all of those. But the thing that um, is is really a must do in sort of every aspect of life is to prepare. That is a must do for me in, in terms of anything, whether you're, you know, writing an email or you're, you know, getting on the phone to talk to a supplier about something. You have to sort of at least mentally, you don't necessarily have to write everything down, but at least mentally you've got to really prepare. And I think uh, off the cuff doesn't really cut it. And I guess I suspect as a journalist, you you must agree with me. <laughs> oh, don't call me a journalist. No, no, they're, they're far more qualified journalists than I am. <laughs> Very sweet of you to say, but no, that's true. That's true. You got you got to get buttoned up, and I think part of the preparation is is that you you work on the core. 
but you also allow yourself the opportunity to go outside of the core of, of what you're writing, what you're talking about, what you're presenting, because again, those are the opportunities that sometimes are surprising. And I think that's really a key thing to remember. Right. And I think, in fact, just to sort of expand on that, I think you're, you are less open to those opportunities if you are not prepared. Yeah, totally. Totally. You know, so if you, if you don't have the confidence in your preparation, you won't be open to, you know, an opposing view or something that just sort of springs forward and, you know, you won't be ready for it because you're not, you're not, you're not ready. Totally. Yeah. What's the most experience? I would say travel for sure is a, and you know, I don't think that's sort of earth shattering on, on any level, but I definitely right. travel is must experience. I've traveled a lot. I lived in China for over a year and that to me was a profound experience learning another language, experiencing a different culture on that level at a you know somewhat young age of 16. It was it sort of changed the course of my life. I'd like to think you know with travel comes perspective and also empathy because you're outside of of your your zone of what is comfortable and what is um, expected so when when you when you travel especially when you're younger you shed a lot of those preconceived notions and i think it's uh, it affects the rest of you know your life and how you think about uh, other countries and other political situations and other cultures and and then also how you interact with people on a daily basis you'll just have more more empathy so i think it's it's a must yeah, and you live in a cool place too. I mean, you live in—I mean, you live in Montreal, but Quebec is, uh, you know, a magical place because you've got, you've got the French side, you've got the English side, you've got the native side, and you've—you've you've probably, over the years, just gleaned a tremendous amount. You know, tremendous things happening in Gaspé. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There is there is something to be said for living in um, a province that has two big cultures: the English culture and the French culture, and of course you know, being, as we call it in Quebec, an Anglophone, an English speaker, I'm living in a mainly French environment. It teaches you a lot about being able to appreciate, understand, and work with another uh, another culture and find similarities, not just differences. What is a must read? I, I may be one of the few people on the planet that still um, receives a paper in the mornings. Oh, now come on. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> And even though I am in the digital advertising milieu, and I have been so in my entire career, and obviously advertising online is the way to go, having a newspaper, a, a printed newspaper for me is uh, a must read. And I think it's a lost, it's a lost thing now. And uh, I, I could just anecdotally say the newspaper's out on the counter in the morning and the kids are looking at pictures of hockey or a picture of a hurricane or a picture of a you know, a stray dog or whatever is in the paper that morning and it sparks a conversation. And when I'm on my tablet, those things do not occur. So that's really interesting for me. I like that interplay. And then on sort of the more, on the more intellectual side of things, how it affects me, I find, you know, because I do read a lot of news on my phone and on my tablet and on my computer. When I have a newspaper in front of me, I feel like I am more open to the articles that are displayed in front of me because I'm not just sort of scanning titles and clicking on links. I have noticed I have a tendency to read um, articles that I would not necessarily read when I'm online. 
And so I think that that part of this echo chamber, maybe not as severe as in social media, but definitely I feel it um, when I'm reading news online. I am uh, more prone to reading articles that are geared towards my interest online. And whereas um, when I'm at home, you know, it could be also because I'm more relaxed, but um, and I have more time, but uh, I am more open to sort of more opinion articles and, uh, and articles that I would definitely not be reading um, if I were reading it online. So I think it's, it's, you know, if you can't do it every day, at least pick up the, you know, New York Sunday Times, that type of thing. Shout out to my favorite book for the last couple of years was Outliers uh, by Malcolm oh, fellow, Gladwell. Fellow Canadian. Fellow Canadian. Yeah, fellow Canadian. He's from Toronto, yeah. You're, you're being, I yeah. thought he was from Vancouver. And uh, well, maybe, well, maybe he's from Vancouver. He went to, he went to the University of Toronto, that I know. Okay, and then everybody retires to Vancouver, right? Is that how it works? It's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, of course, why wouldn't you? Uh, I live in Portland. We're the Vancouver of the United States, so I can I, I can sympathize. I totally get it. Yeah, yeah. We're What's the a must learn? Gorgeous. Oh yeah. A must learn. Uh, so this is just taking it down to sort of what I experience here at Source Knowledge. No matter what job you have in sort of the digital economy, um, you must have some basic HTML programming to be able to participate at any level. So, you know, whether you're in marketing or you're even in accounting, I think having a, a real understanding of programming is, you know, at this stage in, you know, 2017, where, you know, everything is digital, it's super important. And it goes a long way to sort of um, helping orient the kids coming out of school who, you know, you know, want to get into marketing for an agency or, you know, even working in a, a sales role, it will help no matter what. It can't do anything but help. Yeah, it's a it's a basic. And then you can, you know, create your own web page if you wanted to. <laughs> exactly. What's a question you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask you and what would the answer be? I am asked questions all day long and making decisions all day long here at the office. And then when I get home, I have got two very inquisitive and, and curious kids that will not stop asking me questions. So in fact, <laughs> it, I have I do not have really any answer for this. I feel like any question that could have been asked has been asked already. <laughs> really? You're out of questions being asked to I you. Think, okay. I think either that or I, I just really have no imagination. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I don't think so. Let me see if I can come up with one right now. Why do you adore Montreal so much? How about that? Oh, well, that's Have you ever, a great have you ever been asked that one? You have to see. I have been asked that question. I have oh, you have? Asked that question. Yeah. Let, me, let yeah. me rephrase. Why do you love Quebec so much? Well, okay. So I have never been asked that question. On yeah, the yeah I, I got one. There All right, there go. we go. Yep. There you fishing. go. Got it. Yeah. You know, Quebec is culturally a province that's that stands apart from um, all the other provinces in, in Canada. And um, it has a unique political and cultural history, which makes it uh, distinct. And uh, that alone, you know, just sort of really affects everything that goes on in the province. And from the laws that are passed to, you know, the type of politics that we have here and, and the type of food we enjoy. And it really, it transcends all the cities and towns. And they're, they're quite distinct from, uh, you, know, you know, you can drive half an hour uh, or 45 minutes over to Ontario and, and it looks completely different completely different and so that's it's very it's very special and it's something that uh, the people in quebec hold very dear and uh, work hard to protect and that's a that's a wonderful thing
Every guest on our show gets a chance to talk about whatever they'd like for a minute or two. So without further ado, the floor is yours. You know, what we're doing right now at Source Knowledge is really interesting with machine learning, and we are actually looking to do predictive buying based on um, some patterns that we're recognizing in big data. So I'm finding that that is really an interesting new sort of advance in technology that we're experiencing right now. And a lot of companies are investing in Montreal for AI. Facebook's opening up an office in Montreal in conjunction with McGill University, um, and it be it's becoming sort of Montreal's thing right now, AI. And so I feel really excited that we're sort of participating in this as well and that we're seeing some positive outcomes from a lot of the tests that we're putting on on our campaigns. And I think it's just it's really, a, you know, a, a neat way to to extract information and sort of mainline sort of our processes when it comes to um, big data and ad tech. We ask for one last piece of advice or wisdom as we wrap up the show. So what would be your final word? So my, my final word would be to make sure that you're always reading. Uh, reading is the thing that keeps us always trying to be better and keep us curious. And you'll, you never know when you read something, you know, whether it be fiction or nonfiction, that will spark an idea and you'll be able to apply it, you know, either to your life or to your business. Um, I'm constantly surprised at some of the connections that I can make with biographies or even fiction that I'm reading and, and how I try to, uh, to extract you know, whatever has inspired me into, you know, something that's happening around at the office or, or even, you know, with the kids at the house. So I'm, I'm, my last piece of advice is to keep reading and it's good for you. And <laughs> that is good advice. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed it is. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Really appreciate it. I believe that you are the second Canadian on the show. Oh, so, yeah. So we, we need more, though. Two is not enough. Two is not enough. But well, I'm happy to represent. I know. It's great. It's great. And thank you for taking the time. Best wishes for continued success. And I'm just going to go ahead and say Habs and seven to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, I love it. Yeah, good. There's Habs fans across the world. Thanks very much for having me, Doug.